I'm Dr. David Perlmutter. Welcome again to The Empowering Neurologist. We talk quite a bit on the program about diabetes and with good reason. Diabetes really sets the stage for a lot of issues that we don't want to get. A lot of the chronic degenerative conditions that uh, are so common these days are really strongly related to diabetes. Here in America, where 50% of adults are now characterized as being pre-diabetic, we're talking about 30 million uh, individuals here in America already diagnosed. Now we've had on the program before Dr. Sarah Hallberg. Uh, Dr. Hallberg has discussed with us the effectiveness of dietary and lifestyle intervention as it may relate to diabetes. She has just completed a brand new study that has just been published, and we're gonna talk about that. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Hallberg uh, to start off with. She is the medical director at Verda Health and the medical director and founder of medically supervised weight loss program at the Indiana University Health Arnett and adjunct professor of clinical medicine at the Indiana University School of Medicine. Uh, she is also the chair of the Scientific Advisory Council as well as a member of the board of directors uh, for the Nutrition Coalition. Dr. Hallberg is a diplomat of the American Board of Internal Medicine, American Board of Obesity Medicine, and the American Board of Clinical Lipidology and she's also a registered exercise physiologist. So, you know, a highly well-credentialed individual. Many of you will remember her previous interview. The new paper that uh, is just coming out in diabetes therapy is called Effectiveness and Safety of a Novel Care Model for the Management of Type 2 Diabetes at One Year, an Open-Label, Non-Randomized Controlled Study. Well, that sounds a little bit compelling, but basically, uh, what we're going to learn from Dr. Hallberg are the results of this study, uh, which utilize what she calls continuous care intervention, being right on top of these individuals, monitoring their medications, their blood sugars, uh, other parameters as well. But these are individuals on an extremely low carbohydrate diet, lots of fat in the diet, pushing them into ketosis. So what we're looking at is the effect of a ketogenic diet on uh, diabetes, on an individual with diabetes, what happens to his or her blood sugars, uh, what happens to her measurements of uh, insulin uh, receptivity or sensitivity, and what does that individual get to do? What are they able to do in terms of changing uh, their medications? Insulin, for example, oral anti-diabetic agents as well. What happens to those medications when these individuals are on a ketogenic diet? Uh, I already know the answer, but uh, you're about to find out, so let's just jump right into our interview. Well, Dr. Hallberg, thank you for coming back on the program. Thanks so much for having me, glad to be here. In the introduction, I talked about the new study, and I'd like to walk through that if we could. Uh, you know, it looks as if what you, your goal was, first of all, to uh, really uh, examine the effect of a ketogenic diet in type 2 diabetics, but there's so much more involved. So why don't we walk through the nuts and bolts, how many people were involved, and the various parameters that were studied. Absolutely. Um, I would love to do that. I'm really excited about this study because I think the results of it are quite transformative. And so how did we set it up? So this study um, was done in conjunction with Indiana University Health and Verda Health, and it was run out of my medically supervised weight loss clinic at Indiana University Health. And what we did is we had 400 intervention patients and a, almost 100 control patients. 
Now, of the 400 intervention patients, 262 of them had type 2 diabetes, and the remainder of the intervention patients had prediabetes or and metabolic syndrome. And those results will be reported later. The paper that uh, you're referring to was a report on the 262 intervention patients and the almost 100 control patients who also had a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. So what we did is, yes, we had a nutrition intervention, but as you already pointed out, it was so much more. In addition to prescribing personalized nutrition for everyone, and that's really an important part of this. I think we talk a lot about personalized nutrition, but the way that we set this study up and the way the program works is absolutely allowing that true personalization. And so what happened is when people come into the program, what we did is we assigned them a health coach specializing in low carbohydrate nutrition. And they also got a physician. And in the study, it was me. I was the supervising physician for um, all the intervention patients. And so they were also set up to have remote care. So they were given access to an app on their smartphone. So they were accessing most all of them through their smartphone, some people through a computer or uh, iPad. And they had a cell phone enabled scale. So when they got up in the morning, they stepped on to the scale and it was populated right away into the app. They also input into the app regularly blood sugar and they inputted ketones. And we'll come back to why that was so important on so many levels, hopefully later. Um, but this is what really allowed for the personalization. So as these patients put this in, this information went to their health coach and it went to me. And so we were able to make almost real time suggestions, comments, or most importantly, medication adjustments. Because the one thing about this study that differs from many other nutrition studies is we did not limit how long patients had diabetes for. The average patient in this study had a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes for eight years. So these were not just newly diagnosed people. Second, we took people on insulin. That's another thing that's different. So these were not, you know, pretty healthy people to begin with. We were taking people with longstanding um, diabetes on many medications, including a large uh, proportion on insulin. And so that safety factor, the ability to see what their blood sugars were doing and instruct them on what to do was such a critical part of this. And from a nutrition standpoint, let's just say their blood sugar, you know, when they started was running over 200 and quickly it dropped down, right? Their blood sugar is now 120, you know, two days later. Hey, what are you doing? How are we eating? What did you have for dinner last night? Not what was, what have you been doing over the last month? Like mm. sometimes happened, right? In a clinic. What happened last night? Let's talk about last night right now and what went right and what went wrong because that's how you really introduce that true personalization. This is just such great stuff. Uh, so the main intervention here, uh, I, you know, we've been talking about data collection in real time and intervention in real time with respect to medication adjustments. 
But the main intervention is the dietary change to a diet uh, that dramatically reduces the carbohydrate intake in comparison to where most of these people must have been and is a li certainly more liberal with fat. I know that you pushed these individuals generally into ketosis and we let's put this first graph up. And what we're looking at here is an indication of over the 300, over the year, uh, measurement of the beta hydroxybutyrate. That's what's on the screen right now. And what it demonstrates is that really very early on, these people kicked up their beta hydroxybutyrate fairly dramatically, and then it sort of uh, settles back down, but remains at a level um, of around, I don't know, 0 0.3. Uh, it remains right. at a level that is certainly much elevated in comparison to what it would have been had they not made the dietary change. You alluded earlier to the fact that this had some significance. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I, it has significance for a couple of reasons, right? Number one goes back to that personalization because depending on what someone's ketones, again, are, we can help coach them, you know, very individualized on what kind of diet changes are going well and, you know, oh, that didn't go so well. I bet there was something in that when you ate out last night. Let's go through it and think of what it could be so we can avoid it in the future. But the other thing, David, is, you know, when it comes to nutrition studies, one of the major limitations, and I don't think you'll get anyone who will argue with this, is uncertainty of adherence. How do you know, right? What do nutrition studies do? They rely on food logs. And if there's one thing that we're all certain of is that food logs are notoriously inaccurate. So this enters in a huge um, problem with every nutrition study. And this is really the first one that we can say completely avoids that problem, um, that true research problem. And that is, we knew the blood don't lie. That's what I like to say. I mean, they were checking ketones and we can therefore avoid food records because we know they're not helpful. And therefore we can be assured that they were adhering to the dietary intervention based on their ketone levels alone. So for our viewers, you know, we've talked quite a bit about measuring your beta hydroxybutyrate level, a ketone body. And uh, as Dr. Hallberg is telling us, uh, this is a powerful tool for accountability in terms of being true to the diet as it was recommended. Uh, and again, pushing a diabetic into a place of ketosis. So um, why else was beta hydroxybutyrate important for you in this study? I mean, what are the implications of having of being in ketosis and having a high beta hydroxybutyrate? Well, when you're in ketosis and your beta hydroxybutyrate is elevated, you're using fat for energy. And, and that's just critical, right? I mean, we all carry extra energy around all the time as the fat that we store on our body. And we're not allowed access to it, essentially. Our body locks down that fat. It's like puts it in jail, so to speak. You can't have access to it because we have access to all this very easy, readily available energy coming from glucose due to all the carbohydrates that we're eating. But when we take that source of energy, those extra carbohydrates away, all of a sudden it's like the padlocks on the jail come off. We have access to that stored fat, and that brings in another advantage of ketosis, which is weight loss, because we're using our stored energy in addition to the energy that we're eating in increased fat consumption. And so in addition to improvement in glycemic control with our patients, 
they lost a significant amount of weight. Which also contributes to incre increasing insulin sensitivity, et cetera. Let's, right. uh, we're going to put up another graphic here. And what we're looking at now really does show the uh, change in body weight over time. And I think uh, this is a pretty dramatic uh, graph that uh, these, it looks as if over the, over the time period, uh, these individuals lost a substantial amount of weight. They did. 12%, which is an average of 30 pounds per person. And oh so my that's, gosh. that's very significant, right? And, you know, we know that that has an influence on metabolic health as well as the dietary changes. Now, you measured, uh, I think, did you not measure HOMA? Did you, uh, you were measuring insulin sensitivity, and what were yeah. your results as it relates to insulin sensitivity? So dramatic improvement in insulin sensitivity after a year two. So, you know, this is a really important point because what it shows us is that we were not just improving their blood sugars, right? Because you can do that with medications. We were attacking the root of the problem. And so we weren't trying to stick a Band-Aid, right, or stick your finger in the well, right? Um, we were actually solving the problem, and that's critical. And so it goes to having the right science, the right nutrition science to be able to do that, but it also goes to show how important I think the technology piece here really is. And so the remote um, clinic essentially allowed everyone to be monitored and coached and supported. Because in addition to the fact that everyone got a health coach, and everyone had a physician watching their blood sugars and making adjustments remotely. Um, we also had patients able to look at their biomarkers, right? They could track them in the app. So that's a lot, as you already yeah, said. Yeah, that's very fulfilling and encouraging. Very encouraging. And then in addition, we gave them an um, amazing amount of resources. So everything from what does your cholesterol test mean to what should I bring for a 4th of July party? So we supplied a resource center, and then the last thing we did is also supplied them with a support group online of their peers. And so it's wonderful to hear from your health coach, and it's great to hear from your physician, but sometimes it's even nicer to hear from someone in the exact same boat as you. And so the Verda Interventions supplied all of those, which I think is key to the sustainability. I want to... Uh as a point of clarification, you mentioned, you know, that you're getting to the real heart of the issue in terms of the cause of this diabetes. And I, I just would like to emphasize that what we're referring to here is insulin resistance. The fact that the insulin receptors, whose job it is to signal a, a mechanism that sugar would then be brought into the cell and lower blood sugar, that is where the failure is in type 2 diabetes. And just to be clear, you're demonstrating that you're making that work better and better. The mainstream medicine approach to this problem has been more and more medication. In fact, we're going to look at that in just a moment. Whereas you were able to demonstrate it, that, uh, demonstrate that individuals adhering to a more ketogenic diet were actually able to reduce their medication over the period of time. That I'm sure that would continue moving forward. That said, let's look at this next graph if we can. And what we're looking at now is a comparison to uh, of the medications that were used. On the left side of the graph, in gray, we see at the beginning uh, of the study, at the baseline, and then at one year, those individuals who had the intervention were put on this uh, dietary uh, protocol, along with being monitored, as you've mentioned, had, it looks like, at least a 50% reduction of their medications, whereas on the right side of this graph, 
in the white columns, those individuals who did not uh, get involved in a ketogenic diet over the one period, one year period of time actually increased their medications. Uh, let's look at another graph here, and this is specifically looking at insulin usage. And again, we see similar results here that the individuals who were part of the intervention, interventional trial, uh, interventional uh, arm, uh, had a really dramatic, again, it looks like almost a 50% reduction in the amount of insulin that they used, whereas the group that was eating what they wanted, uh, pretty much um, uh, we know a higher carbohydrate diet, uh, actually and fairly dramatically increased their insulin dosage. So having looked at these two graphs, uh, it would seem like this is um, really a, an obvious way to improve the health of a diabetic patient and at the same time reduce his or her medications and at the same time possibly reduce the economic impact of diabetes as well. The reason I say that is because one wonders uh, how uh, economically challenging what you're proposing here uh, would be with the day-to-day -day interaction, the software, the apps, and of course going on that type of diet. Does it make economic sense? So yes, we believe it makes a lot of economic sense. And so, and that's medications cost savings is just one aspect of this. You think when people are feeling better, they're more productive at work, they're missing less work, right? There's less hospitalizations and ER visits for hypoglycemia is a big one with patients who have diabetes who are on insulin. So, you know, I think that that is going to prove to be an enormous factor in all of this. But what you said, too, about the two different graphs, a couple of, of points on that. First of all, in the patients who started on insulin, as you said, 94% of them had it decreased or totally eliminated. And I mean, that is just dramatic. It is so and phenomenal. It, it's so phenomenal. And I mean, what kind of a life impact does that have? And looking at those graphs side by side, you can really appreciate that there are two ways to approach this disease of type 2 diabetes. The standard of care, which means you take more medicine to control blood sugars, even in a reasonable way, not necessarily even good control, but reasonable maybe, means over time you will take more and more, which will produce more and more side effects, more and more risk of hypoglycemia, more and more weight gain, more and more problems when you have to go to the pharmacy and pick up those medicines every month and pay for them. And the other way of approaching this disease is to simultaneously improve blood sugar and reduce medications. And, you know, I think the fact of the matter is most people would choose the med reduction and feeling better and improving their glucose. And what we really need to do is provide more people with that option because unfortunately the idea of reversing type two diabetes is still something that's sort of muddled, right? You know, behind closed doors. And we need to start shouting more about it. And I appreciate- Well, I, I've never done this uh, on the program, uh, but I am for the first time asking each and every one of our viewers to share this video. Let's get this information out. It is so darn important. This is finally 
a clear evidence that diabetes can be reversed. Look at the patients who've come off of medications. You know, I'm always taken by watching the evening news and the commercials where they have people trying to lower their A1C by taking this medicine or that medicine that's been proven to lower A1C by a half a point. Not that that's not a big deal, but it's not a huge deal. Uh, but the point is they need to lose their weight. They need to improve insulin sensitivity. Uh, they need to lower their A1Cs and fasting blood sugars as well. And by and large, the individuals in these commercials, they're trying to appeal to other diabetics are way overweight. And um, when I see that and then I, I, I see your results, I'm wondering, you know, we know what makes the wheels go round um, in terms of uh, pharmaceuticals. We'll leave it at that. This is lifestyle and it's really very, very important because the pharmaceuticals don't reverse diabetes. They just lower the A1C and the fasting blood sugar. You are actually reversing the whole disease. And that is, uh, you know, this is really, uh, as you say, it's something we have to shout. For our uh, viewers of the program, uh, many times you've heard me uh, talk about data that uh, correlates elevated fasting blood sugar or elevated A1C three to six years out being related to increased risk of dementia. And I think we can certainly extrapolate that to uh, coronary artery disease and possibly even cancer as well. So there's certainly value to lowering the A1C, to lowering the fasting blood sugar, but uh, also lowering uh, body fat is hugely important and lowering the potential downsides, which there are of these uh, medications, I think uh, sulfonylureas as a class were significantly reduced in your study, weren't they? 100%. They were gone. All of them. We got rid of every single one of them. And, and uh, you know, and, and yeah, so that, that makes a huge difference. And, and you know, I think, again, I, I'm, I'm so excited that these results are out there now because it just really, you know, as you said, this is showing us that this is possible that with remote care clinic, with a remote support team um, to help guide you through and make sure that this is occurring safely, you know, it is possible to both improve blood sugars and get off medications. And, you know, that is just so important. We're in this epidemic of diabetes. We have to do something. And the standard of care is not working for us. Well, I want to thank you again for uh, coming back on the program and again congratulate you for all that you're doing. This is incredibly important work globally, I think. You know, we talk about the statistics in the United States. We know what's happening globally with respect to westernization of, of diets in third world countries, for example. So um, I thank you for joining us. I thank you for your work and I hope we get a chance to talk again soon. Thank you so much. I was glad to be here. Um, thanks for having me. Okay. Well, um, insulin uh, sensitivity improving, uh, A1C going down, uh, insulin dosage going down, uh, oral medications going down, and weight loss. Uh, all ideal parameters to be following in a diabetic. Just here, uh, what we see is the effect of a ketogenic diet. So again, We've talked quite a bit about the ketogenic diet and its role in general health. Uh, we've talked about using a ketogenic diet in epilepsy, uh, in cognitive decline, and even in Parkinson's. And now, as many of you, I think, would have expected, proving to be extremely effective, according to Dr. Hallberg and the results of this really well-carried-out uh, study, 
uh, in terms of type 2 diabetes. Ketogenic diet, type 2 diabetes. Lower dietary sugar and lo and behold, blood sugar goes down, which is the goal. So again, uh, congrats to Dr. Hallberg for putting out this really amazing study. We have the entire study available to you uh, on the link that uh, is uh, part of the program. I'm Dr. David Perlmutter, and this is the Empowering Neurologist. Thank you all for joining us. Bye for now.